it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to catch up with Lissy, this time over Zoom video. The last time we hung out with Lissy was in May of 2019, so pre-pandemic. She did a showcase in Los Angeles. It was just her and her piano player. It was a beautiful show at this penthouse in Los Angeles. You can watch that video. It's up now. Facebook page, YouTube channel, IGTV, all that fun stuff. But it was really cool to catch up with Lissy, kind of picking up where we left off. The last time we hung out with Lissy, she had just released When I'm Alone, the Piano Retrospective, which was all covers of her own songs in a stripped back version. So obviously we touched on her story, actually got more in depth with her background and where she grew up and got, getting into music and how she kind of got to where she is now. But uh, we also were able to learn about the tour that followed when we chatted with When I'm Alone, the piano retrospective, and even into the pandemic, where she was when the pandemic hit, how this new album came about, all about the album, recording the record, the story behind the album. So it was a great, great conversation. It's always great to see and chat with Lissy. And her new record is called Craving Canyons. So definitely check that out. And you can watch the interview on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome. If you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Lissy. Hi, Lissy. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, we spoke before, before the pandemic at, um, in Los Angeles, actually, my wife and I interviewed you. You did this cool showcase and we were like up on the top of this hotel. Oh, and yeah. You remember I that? Remember, yeah, it was just me and uh, Joe, my piano player. We were like in a penthouse in Hollywood. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, that was such a cool. It was a rad show and a cool experience. Yeah. Nice to see you again. Yes, that was very fun. Uh, I just just watching the interview from before. Um, it just it was such a cool shot. Like you're there, you know, in front of the window and you can just see downtown L.A. It was just a cool. And it was a great yeah. conversation too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know how we found that place, but it was a really fun night. Yeah, very cool. And you had just put out the uh, "When I'm Alone" record. Yeah, the piano retrospective. Yeah, um, just piano vocal like versions of my my songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's crazy. I mean, that was like four years ago now. So I know it feels like it was like <laughs> literally yesterday. Ago, but, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. It's so wild to think that because that was maybe May uh, or April that, or May of yeah, 2019. May May twenty nineteen. Yeah, so I guess three years, but still, I mean, it's still, like, it doesn't feel like it was that long. <laughs> I know. Well, then the pandemic happened, obviously. So um, that kind of has screwed up time a little bit as well. So. Of course, of course. Well, um, I'd love to. I'm Adam, by the way. Um, yeah, hi, Adam. And I, and I would love to uh, kind of touch a little bit on what we discussed before. This is a podcast about you and your music journey, and then obviously mm-hmm. kind of pick up where uh, your piano retrospective kind of, you know, from there forward to this new record that you have coming out. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry, I'm just going to pour myself some coffee. I don't, is the video component of this like accessible to people or more just the audio part? We do both, if that's cool. Yeah, no, totally cool. Sorry, I don't <clears throat> don't look better. I you look great. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just threw I just threw a headband on. I'm like, 
I've been really sleeping in. That's um, good. Anyhow, but yeah, now I got my coffee and here we, uh, here we go. All right. All right. Awesome. Are you still in Iowa? I am. Yeah. Very it's cool. beautiful day. I did. I remember you talking about moving there and buying like a 50 acre farm. Yeah, it's about, well, it's 45 now. I kind of did some, uh, <laughs> swapping <Some scaling> back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a lot. It's like there, there's a pond on the property and there's a lot of trees. And so I'm doing a lot of like timber management and trying oh, to figure wow. out how to get the algae out of the pond and all the things. And my oh, garden thanks. is, is popping off right now. So amazing is that are you growing the the stuff for the popcorn company that you have as well there oh um, i did see that which is so yeah cool. no you know i'm not i think that would be a potential dream down the down the road especially just to have a sunflower oil uh-huh. operation but you know i i have enough to focus on with my music and um, of course and life you know but no that would I, that's been discussed I mean, in a perfect world, yes, I would grow all of the ingredients and the popcorn and the oil and so forth, but not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Do you do anything on, I mean, uh, as far as farming goes on your, on your land? You know, I used to rent out the acres for corn and soy, and then I changed that and just did hay, Mm, uh, rented it out for hay. Um, But in the last year or two, I'm trying to put all my tillable land just into prairie, which is, you know, kind of trying to create like a pollinator experience slash, you know, just kind of take it out of production and let it, um, let it just be. Um, Uh but I do have a little garden and I, so yesterday I pulled beets out of the garden and carrots Uh and cauliflower and broccoli. And, and then it's like, I'm so exhausted from doing all the farming gardening that I just want to order a pizza. I don't even feel like cooking. So <laughs> I got to figure out what to do with all this cauliflower and beef, but make cauliflower, um, crust for your pizza. I know. I was wondering, I know people <laughs> like rice their cauliflower and use it. As oh yeah. Flour, but I think I'm going to freeze it for soup. And I think the beets I'm going to make hummus out of. Oh, yum. There you go. And the carrots I can put in my smoothie. So <laughs> amazing. Well, I've recently moved to to Nashville, just outside oh, of Nashville. Okay. South so you Nashville. were in LA though. So you were I was in I was in I was in San Diego and we drove up okay. to LA. I mean, obviously it's not very far. So we drove yep. up to, to see you and hang um for that show. But it's such a different world. Just hearing you talk about hay, you know, farming hay and stuff like I'd never experienced anything like that. I grew up in San Diego, born and raised there. I spent a little bit of time in San Francisco and in Los Angeles, but coming here and just seeing the greenery and the farms and the, the cows, it, like it's just, it's such a different world and I love it here. Yeah. And I, you get to experience humidity now. How oh, do yeah. you feel about humidity? <laughs> I, I actually kind of like it. I don't mind yeah. it whatsoever. I mean, if you're going to be outside sweating anyway, I'd rather get to it quicker. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's something really, cause I grew up in the Midwest, but then I lived out mm-hmm. in Southern California forever mm-hmm. uh, about like a, like a balmy summer's evening with like a little bit of humidity, like stepping out on the porch, just the way that like, the air kind of just wraps around you that, yeah. that I love. So, wow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I hope you're enjoying Nashville. I do. I love it here. And it, for me, it's like, I remember my family is originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I was born and raised in San Diego. My mom was like eight months pregnant with me when she moved or when my parents moved. 
Uh, but I, living here reminds me of going back to staying with my grandfather in 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 the Cleveland area. Just like the, yeah. during the summer, just like that humidity and like the smell in the air and the fireflies. It's just, I I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm happy. I I I love I love it too. And it was nice when I moved back to kind of those things that I enjoyed visiting and getting to experience, like you say, like the fireflies and like kind of the warm, humid nights mm-hmm. and seeing all the greenery and the rain and so forth. So sure. Awesome. And you, you grew up in, in, Oh, you grew up in Illinois, right? Not, not near where you are now. So I grew up um, in Rock Island, Illinois, which is right on the Mississippi river across from Iowa. It's part of this area called the quad cities, although there's okay. five quad cities, which is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rock Island, Moline, Bettendorf, Davenport, East Moline apparently is one of the quad cities, but yeah. So it's like an Iowa, Illinois area. So I kind of grew up in Iowa, but technically I grew up on the Illinois side of the river. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I grew up there, but I could not wait to get out of there. I was felt like I just always, always attracted like unwanted negative attention to myself. I got kicked out of high school. And I, I remember know, I, you, you mentioning that last time you didn't, you didn't get too far into detail about it. I just talked a little bit about a choir teacher or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago and I'm sure that I played some part in it, but you know, like when you have kind of just a traditional place and I think things are changing so much now in the world and it's chaotic, but I think it's going to change for the better. But you know, like if you don't fit into like a very specific, like pre-approved box, it's sort Mm -hmm. of like you end up creating problems for yourself and, um, and I had some like authority figures sort of who were gunning for me all throughout my high school career. <laughs> so, and eventually I got kicked out and I got arrested and anyhow, oh without even going into all of that, um, I felt very strongly, like I wanted to get the heck out of there, like ASAP, like, oh, yeah, um, of course, but Jeez. weirdly, it's like, you know, the more time I spent away, the more I really wanted to return to the Midwest, not necessarily to the town I'm from, although my family's all there. Uh, I'm close enough to visit, but no, I, there's this just beautiful part of Iowa, Northeast Iowa, where it's, there's a lot of rolling hills and, um, Mm -hmm. and little streams and, and rivers and things. It's just, it's beautiful up here. So I'm still close enough, but not, not really where I grew up. Gotcha. I know you mentioned before that you come from a, a fairly musical household, right? Your brother plays piano and, and uh, your grandfather was like in a barbershop quartet or something like that. Yeah. So my grandpa was a barbershop quartet um, international champion. I like maybe in the fifties, I don't know what year, but um, he did a lot of like musicals and things. And, and then, so I think just all of us sort of could carry a tune like i'm mm-hmm. the only one that really pursued it as a kid my sister did um did like shows and stuff like we took lessons and would put on these shows and my sister was always like she was a better singer than i was you know i mean but she no, no one else wanted to do it for reels like me um mm-hmm. but like my, my mom has a nice voice my dad has a nice voice my brother zach hadn't played piano in years like took it as a kid but like you know is super smart was able to just hop back in and like read music and could play the piano yeah so that's why my, bro- my brothers can sing and play the piano but they don't do it they're out of practice um god it's, yeah. yeah it's just a more of a hobby fun thing if if, if I don't even time think it's a will hobby tell anymore. Not even, yeah like... i think briefly my brother revived it for something for his kid's school like the okay. dad band but oh, no rad. i mean they they don't even 
keep up on it at all. Like they don't have the same desire that I guess I had to really pursue and, and actively be singing and, and playing music. But Mm -hmm. yeah, we all kind of have like, I think some just natural musical ability. Was it pretty apparent to your, uh, maybe your, your parents or your siblings that you really wanted to do this more so than they did? Like what, growing up, I mean, being young, I, you, you talked about, I remember last time that you were in Annie and you're doing stuff like super young, like five years old. Uh, uh, but having your siblings around you that are also were doing a similar thing. Did your family kind of know like, oh, no, let's see, like really sh- is going to do this like. I think so. And, you know, my brothers are a lot older than me. They're like 12 and nine years older than me. So they were kind of already like off to college by the time I was, you know, doing my shows. And I was in Annie when I was nine, like they were off at college. But my sister, she just like she just kind of she liked to play basketball and she Uh anyhow. But no, I think my mom knew, you know, my mom has this thing that she'll say, like the story she repeats a little like when I was in a Christmas show when I was like five. And then my little, you know, polka dotted like leotard and sure. my hair was like done. And she said my eyes just sparkled. Like I just like shone like a light from inside out. And of course she's going to say that because she's my mom. But she said in a way that she didn't really pick up on from anyone else. It's like it was like where I felt seen or something, mm-hmm. you know, and I think being the youngest of four and I'm sure in some roundabout way, like, you know, singing and writing and telling my story through music. And getting people to like pay attention to me, um, I'm sure is probably part of being like the youngest child. So I think I, I found music was like a way to feel seen and heard and understood. And okay. um, my mom was so supportive for all of us, you know, whatever it was we were passionate about, she made sure we had access to it. So, um, yeah, I think my parents saw from like a young age that that was just where I felt. Felt comfortable good, was yeah. on stage singing my heart out. Yep. Sure. Okay. Um, well, I, when did you, you started writing songs in high school and playing guitar in high school? Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, I started like making up songs when I was like little, little, like just singing randomly, like, t- you know, it was always oh, sort just, of like, making up, up songs. little melodies and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Like my nieces do that. Actually, they write really good songs and they're teeny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, cool. when you're little, you're just singing life, you know, you're just making up songs. But in high school, I really started trying to, you know, practice and teach myself guitar. And that was the point where I was able to start, you know, I'd, I'd always kind of written. So it was like starting to try to put lyrics and music to to my guitar. And yeah, I just kind of started writing songs. I worked at a coffee shop um, and I had an open mic night. So that in was high like school. A, yeah. Oh, cool. Yep. Theo's Java Club. Um, I worked there and they had a, they had like a really, they, I don't feel like they might be closing now, which is a bummer, but they have this really great like side room with like a stage. And so they had an open mic. So when I was in high school, it was like, that was sort of gave me a goal. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I have to practice for the open mic night. Um, what was so it yeah. like getting up there, like <laughs> playing? I, I mean, I know you do a lot of covers, even to this day, like amazing covers. Like my the Danzig cover you do is still my favorite one. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> but uh, having, you know, doing those, like, did it start with covers? Uh, I mean, especially at the open mic night, because usually you can only get up and play what, like one or two songs? I, I'm trying to remember, but I four. feel like I got like a decent size slot. It wasn't like a, that wildly popular like if you were in LA or something you know okay it, it, there was plenty of space and time to get get up at Theo's um 
but no, I mean, I did sort of learn to play through learning other people's songs, um, like Jewel or mm -hmm. Sarah McLaughlin or I can't even remember now, like House of the Rising Sun. That was one of my first songs I learned to play. Okay. Got some great, great chords in that song and all the big kind of beginner important chords. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I mean, pretty quickly, once I started actually doing the open mic, I was like playing my own compositions, which probably weren't all that great. And I don't remember them. And they might be in a notebook somewhere. Um, but still to have the courage to do that, to get up there and present your own material. Yeah. You know, it's weird. I have all kinds of ways that I feel awkward in life, but um, getting up and singing for people has never been one of them. I know it'd be some, but some people's like worst nightmare, but like getting up and talking even is like more nerve wracking, but like getting up and singing and sharing that has never made me nervous really. Even your own like lyrics and own emotions of everything, nothing yeah. like that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I that, that's cool. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Right. I mean, there's been times where like I've been on some like show or something like where like there's a lot of people watching where I maybe would get nervous. But in general, like even back then, it's like there were tons of things that made me feel mortified or but getting up and, and singing my songs like we never did. So I don't cool. I don't know. I mean, why. Yeah, a lot of people, are, you, you know, it'd be the other way. Like as far as like being that vulnerable, like presenting a song that they wrote or like, oh, my gosh, I don't want anyone to hear these lyrics that I wrote down or is it going to be bad or. Yeah. And I think probably, you know, I probably even as I'm older, I'm more self-conscious about sharing my soul because of like social media and stuff, too. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But at that age, I was like just so fearless. I, I'm in awe of my younger self. I had like. I didn't have very much self-awareness either. It's like, it probably could have been terrible, but I thought I was like doing great. So <laughs> well, obviously know. you have talent and you're doing great and now you're doing <laughs> very well. So it's, there was something there, I'm sure. Yeah, no, there was something there for sure. And I did get, and then I went on to college and I played a lot of open mics and opened for people. And, you know, I, I wasn't like the delusional cause I was, consistently getting feedback from people like that there was something there there was right. something budding and evolving and and so I was able to sort of get a lot of good feedback and advice that sort of just kept me kept me going what was the first like validated thing that happened like I mean you said you went to college so you went you moved away correct from Illinois to go to college yeah so I did two years of college at Colorado State. Okay. before and then I did a semester in Paris a semester abroad and then I decided to quit school and move to LA as you okay. do when you're sure. trying to make it in the biz um, <laughs> yeah but I uh yeah well once I got to college and I was doing there's Woody's Pizza which had amazing pizza I wonder if it's still there they had an open mic on Wednesdays mm -hmm. and then it was like kind of through just doing like all the open mics like I ended up <clears throat> getting sort of in the mix over at the Aggie and the um, Starlights, which I don't know if it's there. These two venues that would bring in like national nationally touring mm -hmm. bands, you know, so they had some like, um, well, so actually now I'm like, as I'm remembering right before I went to college, I went and saw G love and special sauce. And oh, I, I love G Love. Yeah, I know. Garrett is a great, a great dude. I've actually had a chance. He was the last person I interviewed before the COVID happened, oh, like wow. in person. And then I had a chance to catch up with him a few, like a month or two ago, about his new record. And he's such a great person. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he's awesome. And I was obsessed. And and like my friends and I like snuck 
back, not even backstage, but it was like at Summerfest, we like found their bus in the parking lot. And <laughs> that's awesome. I asked him if I could play a song for him and like his, his crew that was there. And, um, and they, they let me play house of the rising sun for them. And wow. then just kind of sitting outside of the bus, like, and then they kind of stayed in touch and they were sort of trying to help me with my music a little bit. I mean, here and there, but, um, I was also like in college and I didn't have a ton of original songs that were like very good. Um, so that was kind of like the first thing was that this huge artist that I admired, you know, was beyond like great job was like, actually his manager was sort of trying to help me produce some songs and that's um, so cool. Yeah. And then I got to open for them when they were in Fort Collins. And then I just started opening for anyone that came through and like the people at the venue were cool to, you know, call me up. Hey, do you mm -hmm. want to open for Oza Motley? I got to open up for oh, them. That's cool. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, wow. Which what, probably wasn't even that's a good fit. I was going to sure say, that's Oza kind Motley of an interesting, like, like, <laughs> interesting pairing between uh, you guys and uh, you and Oza Motley, but that's awesome. Yeah. That you still had that experience. Yeah, but they were just, you know, I, I was able to open a lot. And then I was seen by uh, this DJ who lived in Boulder, DJ Harry. And we ended up doing a song together called All My Life. And All My mm -hmm. Life was like on House and the OC. And it was in a Who Killed the Electric Car. Like suddenly oh, I wow. did this song with DJ Harry, who was with um, uh, uh, String Cheese Incident. I don't know if mm -hmm. you're familiar with them, but they no. had a label label out in boulder it's like kind of in the jam band world okay um i was in the kind of jam band world at that stage of my life i had dreads briefly Rad. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> it was awesome but i went to a ton of amazing shows like i just loved going to see live music and dancing and anyhow <clears throat> i gotta focus on my story i'm telling you uh then so dj uh harry and i you know he was in a kind of professional world where he had remix string cheeses stuff and they were at this huge label and and so through meeting dj harry and doing this song together um that was like kind of the first time i was like you know oh wow like this song is like earning money like this is a thing this is a job and so when mm -hmm. i got back from Paris, and then i went to paris where you know it was like i didn't really speak french i lived alone i didn't have a smartphone back then and I think kind of just being like, if I'm brave enough and like competent enough to like navigate a foreign city as like a 20 year old, uh, I think between all those things, it kind of just gave me the confidence and the self-assuredness to be like, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to mm -hmm. do it. Did so. you go to Paris to, to continue with college or did you go to pursue music or like, how did you end up landing there? It was just like a study abroad program. It oh, okay. was through... I don't know if it was through Colorado state, but it was definitely like, it was a group, but I didn't, I opted out of living in the dorms. I had like my own apartment, Oh, nice. um, which wasn't great. Like it was pretty gross, but, uh, so I was a little more like independent, like all the other kids in the program sort of seemed like they stuck together and mm -hmm. were kind of living in a dorm and speaking English. But I ended up um, meeting a French guy pretty early on. And I dated this French painter for the whole semester and you know went to venice and took a photography class and was learning french and um so i had a pretty authentic experience I was saying, yeah you I mean, you sure you had a way <laughs> more like involved in the in the life scene than i'm sure those kids that went with you did living in the dorms and probably just doing the minuscule things that they allow at that point but to live yeah, and there I, and I travel those, and 
I liked that crew too. Don't get me wrong. I made some good friends, but I was kind of like independent from the, the group, which, right. you know, I think was good. Cause even like my friend who was in, in the dorms would say like, Oh, like you're actually spe- having to speak French. Like we're all just speaking English to each other, mm-hmm. you know? So I think through meeting Arno, the French painter and his friends, I mean, they were like not that forgiving sometimes about how terrible my French was. Oh, you know, really? But, yeah. So did you learn it pretty well no. by the time you left? Okay. No, I could kind of, it's like if I was drinking wine and I could kind of, you know, like I relaxed, like I could kind of understand what people were saying and like what was mm-hmm. going on. Um, Cause I think the tricky thing is like, I would try to figure out each word, what each right. word means, but you're really supposed to let it like wash over you. Yeah. And kind it's really of interpret hard to do the that. whole sentence. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. But if you had some wine, I don't know why that would be a scenario where I'm like, I kind of feel like I know what's going on and I can kind of like talk a decent amount, at least like. In yeah, a you're not a self-confi- uh, self-conscious of how you're going to sound or maybe or, you know. Yeah, but this was also 20 years ago. So, I mean, I don't have the the skills that I once had, but um, sure. Yeah, anyhow, but yeah, so I think that all of those kinds of experiences as a young person that, you know, was getting, and I was playing in Paris, I would, there was a a bunch of actual American group of people who um, did an open mic thing that was like English speaking at a place called Bistro des Artistes, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't know if it's there anymore. It was like literally like a cave, underground cave. Um, And so I was able to kind of have a little bit of a musical community. And then through Arno, the painter that I um, had dated, you know, met kind of art artists through him to where I, you know, played a couple of little house concerts. And, and so I was definitely like able to be like, wow, like also how cool, like music is really a way into community Mm -hmm. when you have something to give or add and, and some creative way that that was sort of, the door into connection as opposed to, you know, all oh, this, this American girl right. who can't speak French. Suddenly it was like, Oh, but she's an artist. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was good for my confidence too. That's awesome. And then from there you moved to Los Angeles and Hold that's on. Olive, where- come here. my dog's trying to oh. trying to tell me she wants to go outside. Olive, come here, come here. Look, girl. <laughs> you gotta wait, buddy. You gotta wait. Um, Yep. And so then I moved to LA and I went mm-hmm. to the Musicians Institute for six months, which is like a school down kind of yeah, Hollywood and Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, or Hollywood and Highland, I guess. Um, and that was good because my mom kind of always, it was her idea, really. She's like, I just need to know that you're going to a place every day because I didn't know people in LA. Mm-hmm. She wanted like someone to know if I like didn't show, show up. up. That right. They might that check makes on sense. Me. There's so many, yeah, <laughs> yeah. some accountability. <laughs> yeah. And I lived in West Hollywood for about six months. And then after school stops, then I moved to uh, more to Hollywood. I was in Hollywood for like five years in Beachwood Canyon. But I was discovered at Genghis Cohen. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. uh, By this woman, Betsy, which led to me getting like a production deal and a record deal and my manager. And then that all kind of fell through. But my manager took me to England and then I got my Sony deal. Um, which is how like the first two records were made. So, okay. So, so she I discovered kinda, you what, just like at a, a show that you were doing and came up after and was like, Hey, like, you know, I love what you're yeah. doing. Let's, let's 
chat. Yeah, or... well, it started like I wanted to perform. And so I went to Molly Malone's where I think you had to pay like $2 to play one song at an open mic. And at Molly wow. Malone's, there's uh, Jay Tinsky who books a lot of these venues. I kind of cornered him awkwardly and was like, hey, like, how do I get a show? Like, how do I actually just play a concert? Like, and right. I was like, More can I sing? one song. I'm like, can I sing for you? You know, like just fearless. And he, uh, <laughs> he was kind of like, uh, I guess so. Um, so like, I like sat down and like played him a song. And so he booked me at Genghis Cohen and I just started playing there. Um, and this woman, her name was, is Betsy Hammer, um, was working at Adam Sandler's production company at, um, oh, Happy wow. Madison. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, Brooks Arthur, who had produced a bunch of Adam's comedy albums and had engineered like a lot of great stuff over the years, like Hang On Sloopy and okay. worked with Janice Ian. They helped me make like this um, guitar vocal demo and, and took me around because Brooks knew all the peeps like at mm -hmm. the labels. Um, they took me around and uh, I was signed to Maverick Records by Guy Osiri originally. Wow. And then I was a with, huge like, A&R guy, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm not, in touch with, I'm not in touch with any of these people anymore, but um, yeah. So he signed me and, you know, thought I had raw talent. And I worked with Glenn Ballard who, you know, worked with Alanis Morissette and mm -hmm. Glenn and his team are absolutely lovely. Um, but we never really like, then like the, the head of Warner who owned Maverick, like all the players were changing, like they had a new president and then they were like sure. going to reabsorb Maverick and, nothing was really going to happen with me as um, it, that's happened to so many. I've had so many conversations with artists yeah. that happen. A major gets bought and then they dissolve one part and the, this band gets the A&R leaves and now nobody wants to acquire them because they didn't start, you know, the, their career. It, it gets a little, little muddy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it all worked out. Okay. Though still, there was some like, Bitter feelings, though, because basically this production deal that I had had that got me my deal kind of through working with Guy. And I mean, Guy would take me around to all these like crazy famous people situations where I was just a complete weirdo who didn't know how to talk to anybody. Um, and then, you know, just intimidated, you know. Mm, uh, sure. But then then I had made, met my manager, Peter, who's still my manager today through all of this. And um he, he helped me get released from Maverick because they might have just kind of held on to me and not do anything. Mm -hmm. So he was able to get me like kind of let go. But at that point, I decided not to continue working with Betsy and Brooks. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'm like dead to Brooks. So, uh, yeah. but, you know, they wanted to own like half of my music forever. Like it, it wasn't I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And they did a lot of amazing things for me. Um, but that was sort of like a, a early lesson of like, you know, cause I'm such a people pleaser too, is like, well, I don't think this is what's best for me. And I tried to explain it, but you know, we kind of ended up having this falling out. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was independent and Peter was my manager and I started playing music with all these musicians in my neighborhood. And we started a night called Beachwood Rockers on Wednesday nights and really kind of, that was the first time I'd ever played with a band. And so like, while I was disappointed with like how things didn't pan out with that first deal, it was kind of cool because it was like, I was suddenly now I was getting an education. I was living as an adult in LA. I was playing, playing music with other people, like getting my rhythm mm -hmm. better. And 
you know, falling in love and like learning how to cook and just kind of having this 20 something experience running around LA. Um, but then my manager, Peter, he, he took me to London in 2007 or eight mm-hmm. and, uh, I was signed to Columbia records, um, part of Sony. And yeah. then in 2009, I made my first album in Nashville. So, wow. And this most recent record, you went back to Nashville, right? From writing, from writing and recording in Nashville and LA mm-hmm. kind of over the course of a year from like November of 2020 to like late last year, it kind of, I took like a year to make the record and I wrote in chunks, but in June of last year, I had written the song into the studio thing. Kennedy, who I wrote Flowers with, she's featured on Flowers, which is the first track that people can hear off the new album. Um, and Sarah and Kate came and sang on their song, and Natalie Hemby came and sang on the song she wrote, and Maddie Diaz came and sang on the song that we wrote. And so that felt special to uh, get to have them like included in in that because that's yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, going just to back up for half a second here, like when you put out the piano, uh, the piano retrospective and we chatted last time, was that an album that you were able to support quite a bit? Like, were you able to tour it? Cause that was in May when we spoke, I believe. So then the pandemic hits, like, where were you at when that all happened? And then how did that eventually then turn into working on this new record? Yeah, sorry, I kind of skipped some of that. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I, I asked the question about Nashville and the new record. I want to bridge the gap. Does this get like edited or do you just they get to hear all of my rambling goodness? Everybody gets to hear your rambling goodness. <laughs> yeah. That's the best part I'm of this. I'm going to fill up my coffee some more too. Okay. Um, yeah, so basically um, I put out that piano album and I did tour kind of a lot. I did some U.S. stuff. I did some Europe. And I, family, he actually just got married. Ah, oh, you froze again. I don't know what's going on. Can you hear me? Now I can. You, I heard you say that you got to play some U.S. dates and then it kind of froze out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, I have full internet goodness going. So, um, yeah, basically, uh, Joe, my British piano player, and I, we were able to do some U.S. dates and some European dates uh-huh. around the piano retrospective. Um, and then I was saying he's like a, like family. He just got married in London last month. So oh, I was cool. able to go out for that and do some Norway shows. Um, but, yeah, so I did, I did support the retrospective and it also was good because it's like you know just the two of us would go on tour we wouldn't take a man tour manager or you know mm-hmm. it was a more efficient way to tour as well you know right. i had put out castles which is a full-length original mm-hmm. album and i toured that with the band but um you know once i did the piano retrospective it was it was kind of nice to have a couple years where i was I was doing pretty well on the road because I didn't have so much like overhead. Right. Um, it was just so that, two of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then, you know, I going into 2020, 
you know, I toured a ton in 2018 and 2019, I toured like crazy. And so actually going into 2020 and I was in a relationship at Mm -hmm. the time with a guy who was farming in Virginia. Mm -hmm. So I had been out in Virginia a lot and was thinking that maybe in 2020, I would just kind of try and try and relax a little bit and not do as much. Right. Well, and then of course we know what happened. Then yeah, then you got a, plenty of time. <laughs> then the pandemic hit. <laughs> Unwanted time, right? And yeah, and I did a lot of live streams. Um, you know, the live streams were able to kind of keep me going. Fortunately, mm-hmm. um, I'm very thankful to my kind of audience that they were willing to to do the live stream thing mm-hmm. with me every month um, throughout the pandemic. Um, but what really like was the big thing that happened is that, you know, of course, collectively, the whole world was in shock and sorrow and grief and all the emotions of like the politics that were going on and uh-huh. just everything was so intense. So I came back to my farm in May of 2020. I'd been out in Virginia and my partner and I ended up breaking up and I had a very, uh-huh. very hard summer mm-hmm. in addition to the collective suffering. I was personally just kind of in a, in a bad way. Um, sure. but you know, getting through that and taking care of myself and being around the farm and gardening and taking my dog for walks and going for swims and just kind of like letting time pass so that I could get my strength back and, 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 uh, adjust to Mm -hmm. the ways that the world had changed and my world had changed. Excuse me. Um, yeah. So then, so I was just kind of alone on my farm for months trying Mm -hmm. to get over a broken heart and a betrayal Mm -hmm. and, uh, couldn't even write about it. Cause it was like, there's too much going on in the world. Like I can't even process all of this pain that's like happening everywhere right now. Sure. Um, but then by November I was like, all right, I'm ready to, I'm ready to start writing about this. And so a lot of the earlier songs on the record that I wrote were really much kind of in that anger and sadness of mm-hmm. the breakup, but then, you know, cut to like months later, the, so the song kind of has this arc of emotion and healing, hopefully, because I didn't write all the songs at once. I wrote them yeah, at, as of... I kind of got more distance from this trigger event. So sure. it's like, there's songs about, there's kind of these angry, sad songs to like, where by the end, it's sort of like, there's like this existential hopefulness that starts to grow as I get more distance from the, the breakup, I think. So, it, and it starts out in kind of that chronological order then? No, I, the okay. track or does list, it jump no, around the, a bit? Yeah, no, in terms of the track, like listing, it jumps around, but I'm just sort of saying in terms of. Of how, how you were able to process and write the record. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I had always made records before primarily like when I was on Sony, I mean, it was like kind of mandated, like you need to have all of your songs done and ready to go. And we all need to agree that they're good enough before you get to go into a studio to make a record. So, you know, it's sort of like, I felt like my first couple records, it was like, I, I was really writing about the same thing Mm -hmm. in real time. Whereas this record just, it's like, I wrote over the course of like, you know, eight months or something. So you didn't have not, that pressure of yeah. you need to turn this in and it's got to be this level of blah, blah, blah. And yeah. And also just where I, the place I was writing from was changing because it's like, 
you know, as I kind of made my peace with the breakup, I wasn't really wanting to write about that as much as right. I was just about life and moving forward and having hope and, you know, yeah. So. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, with you, you talked about earlier writing these songs, like some of them were done over zoom. Like how was that? Like, was that a situation that you had worked with these people before or was it like, hi, I'm, I'm Lissy and let's write a song together. Um, you know, when I, during COVID I had tried to write kind of on FaceTime and it was challenging because, you know, if you're playing the guitar, because of oh, the leg, you know, like the latency like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's not like if you were playing the guitar that I'd be able to sing in, in unison with you. Right. It might sound to me like I am, but to you, it wouldn't sound like we were in sync, Together. you know? Right, right, right. Uh, so, but once I kind of figured that out, actually, I had a really great experience writing over Zoom. I actually ended up writing with Natalie. I was in Nashville, but like, you know, that was like when everyone was getting COVID. Mm -hmm. I think there were some COVID scares. Uh, so we were supposed to meet in person, but so I was in Nashville just on my iPad, wrote with Natalie over Zoom, um, wrote with Morgan Negler and Maddie Diaz over Zoom, who I didn't know, but I kind of knew friends of friends. So I felt like I kind of knew them, mm -hmm. um, even though I didn't really know them. Uh, and that as a manager friend of mine uh, coordinated that for me, which was very kind of him. Um, so, yeah, so I was thinking it would be weird, but there was something about too, like on this record, I wrote with a lot more women than I, for whatever reason, ever did. It wasn't on purpose, but it's just mm -hmm. like women are more in the mix now, which I'm loving. Yeah. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um, I completely write, agree. I feel like I write so much faster with women. Like, Really? When I was working on my first few records and, and I was in London all the time and I was only writing with men because that's who I was getting set up to write with. Uh -huh. I mean, it would take us days to get anything done. And, you know, <laughs> I jumped on these Zoom calls and within an hour, like wrote a great song. You know, mm -hmm. it, it just was really interesting. That is way yeah. to write where it's like, oh, yeah, we just wrote a song in an hour, like on FaceTime. Is it like a comfort thing or it just happened to happen that way? I think it's just a communication thing. Hmm. I don't know. I felt like I was able to communicate really efficiently with the, these people, the people that I was writing with. And, and, uh, and also they're great songwriters. So I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, but right. you know, I really knew what it was I was trying to say. And we had some shared experiences that I think just made it really easy for us to collaborate on a song. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it was weird, but it's totally doable. And, you know, there's a friend of mine that I wrote a couple other songs on the record with, and he's in Sweden. And I mean, we haven't seen each other in years, uh, but we wrote a couple songs together as well, but those That's songs cool. took, they took forever to get done. So I don't know why, but I'm not talking shit about me. I'm just like, he's a man. Like I was like, this is taking forever. Like, let's just be done. That's so funny. So, uh, yeah. Um, do you feel like there is uh, anything on the record or a moment on the record that wouldn't have happened if we weren't under the circumstances as far as like COVID and lockdowns and all that? Or did that not come into it at all? I mean, I, I don't even know how to answer that question. Like, I don't. 
I don't know. I don't know if my breakup would have happened in the same way had it not been for mm -hmm. COVID. So, okay. you know, I think there would have been a lot more like time and space to figure that thing out. It sort of ended this in this really abrupt, like shocking way, just because of the restrictions of COVID. And okay, sure. unfortunately, you know, breakups or heartache really are great motivators to want to express and mm -hmm. make music. So, you know, I didn't really feel like I had a whole lot to say for the couple years I was just in a healthy relationship. Um, so unfortunately, you know, it's like, I feel like the, the, the pain has in my life driven the need to express myself, sure. um, you know, where I'm at and this, and I'm just so grateful. I mean, I know life is always going to be full of ups and downs, but the summer of 2020 was challenging in a way that I had to like, kind of fundamentally like dismantle a lifetime's worth of like shit and mm -hmm. I I bear you know I felt like there were times like I barely was gonna make it like I I couldn't take care of myself some days you know it was it was really strange and I think just it's annoying when people are like I'm an empath but you know I feel like I pick up on collective psychic like right environmental pain mm -hmm. as well as my own pain and it was just like too much pain and too much anxiety. And too, it wasn't like, that wasn't even just mine. Like I went right. to the den going to the dentist and seeing this old woman who's like telling me I'm so lonely. I'm losing my mind. I don't know what to do. Like I've just been stuck in the house for months and I like have no one. And my husband died. And I just like, am sobbing in the dentist. We, I was yeah. probably just talking about it. Like I felt so bad for so many people. Like some people, it was great. They got to stay home and be with their families. <laughs> you know, for other people, it was really, really isolating. And I'm good at being alone, but some people are not. And uh, I felt really bad for other people too, you know, not just for myself. Right. So anyhow, I think, you know, had there not been this upheaval, I probably wouldn't felt as compelled to create, you mm -hmm. know, to be honest. Because uh, I think I'm so grateful now for where I'm at in my life. Like, again, like ups and downs, but I worked through some stuff, you know, now I've been, today's actually like my one year anniversary with my partner that I'm with now. Who's oh, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. That's yeah. So cool. And, uh, and I'm really proud of this record, you know, that's that I completed. And I, I like even just that, you know, summer 2020, it was like, I, I'm proud of myself that I have forged ahead and, and created so many things since then. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm sure that the pain of that time, is a big part of what I created. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up like, yeah, just other people like being alone. And like, I, I, I just think of that too. And I'm, it's so hard for me to fathom, like, just cause I had, you know, I have a family and kids and I had people around me when it was happening, at least in, within my household of, you know, being stuck inside, but to be alone for months and not, you know, I, I can't even imagine how that is or, kids that are graduating high school have to do it over like a zoom thing. Like all that stuff yeah. just seemed like, so like heartbreaking or college, <laughs> you're going to go to college to play a sport or something Now you've lost a year of that. And yeah, it, the, the whole thing was just so. Yeah. And I traumatic. mean, I think that 
there were so many people that really like it was like the worst thing ever. And then yet I know that there's and then not to mention like the amount of people that died. Right. Of course. You know, but just aside then, from the 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 direct like the direct, you know, impact of it all, but just Yeah, and it got to this point too. I mean, even I've witnessed like even with my parents, like who've had each other, but I think like the combination of like the news and the isolation. And then probably everybody was like eating and drinking more and, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like it, there was the the virus, but then there was also kind of these other things that were probably pretty unhealthy that sure that kind were of all... were born of the isolation. And, mm-hmm. and then I know people who it's like COVID's the best thing that ever happened to them because of COVID. Now they can work from home and they can live wherever they want. Right, right, and, right. And, you know, I have a couple of friends who wanted to get out of the city and, you know, move, but never could because of work who now are in a position that they can live anywhere. Mm-hmm. So they are kind of making like live in their best lives now. So, you know, I yeah. think different people got different things, but for me, I, I, but I don't know. I, it, it's kind of in, in retrospect was sort of like this very humbling, beautiful, painful time that I'm really grateful for actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause by the winter, I was just like, embracing winter I was like ice skating and sledding and I was wearing my snowsuit everywhere and I was just like dedicated to like getting outside so that I could be around people Mm -hmm. and seeing my friends and we'd get bundled up because it gets freezing here like dangerously cold in the winter so oh wow uh yeah I don't know anyway I'm I'm babbling on now no that's so cool like uh, yeah to, to have this record done I had a chance to hear it it's amazing I love the single flowers um and it's coming out in September, mid-September? Yep, September 16th, it'll be out. Um, and yeah, Flowers is available now. And then on next Friday, or no, next Wednesday, we're putting out the first like proper single called Night Moves. Oh, cool. Okay. Coming in next week, yep, with a music video that we shot just a couple of days ago. So it's going to be oh, really? a quick turnaround. <laughs> Where was, yeah. was the video shot um, in Iowa? No, it was all like super duper last minute. Cause I think that's the totally other thing of like, you know, in this day and age, like all the visual components that you need to have for a campaign and. Right. Um, Everything's got to have a video and this and the yeah. social media you know, direction and all the other things. Totally. And so I've been trying to be better this time around at hitting those very important things that might seem foreign to me, but are, are necessary. But yeah, we needed, we needed a music video kind of like left it to the last minute. And um, I ended up going out to Portland. Oh, cool. Um, last, so Friday night, it was like a night shoot. We went out by Mount Hood. We drove an hour out of town uh, to this cabin and uh, shot until like 3.30 in the morning. So wow. yeah. And I haven't seen, I think today I get to see <clears throat> a clip of it or I get to see a cut of it today. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. Very, very cool. It, it is. I think that there's going to be actually kind of like some funny stuff in the video without trying to be funny. I think I accidentally might have been funny. <laughs> so those are always we'll the best. See. Those are always the funniest ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And I know you have a couple shows. I don't know if they're they're announced yet, but you uh, you're doing um, well, at least one in Memphis. I saw in September. But are you playing? Uh, well, you have one what, show tomorrow, I think, too, right? Yeah, so I've, I'm actually in a little bit. I'm going to have to go up to Minneapolis to rehearse with my bandmates. And then I'm playing in River Falls, Wisconsin tomorrow night. Okay. And then 
I am playing in Moline, Illinois, and uh, like outside of Madison, Wisconsin, at the end of August. Okay. Memphis, September tenth. But I do have a I I haven't announced it yet, but I have all the dates. So September, going to Norway. But then uh, October, November, December, I'll, I'm going to be like West Coast, East Coast, Midwest, all around the oh, U.S. So awesome. I hope so you're coming to Nashville. those will be announced next week. We're not this first what? wave. Okay. Yeah, the first little wave I'm doing, I'm not go- coming to the Southeast. So like te- in Texas. So I'm going to probably do that next spring. Uh, where okay. I'll come to Atlanta and Nashville and, you know go down to Austin and Dallas and so forth. Um, okay. So you're definitely coming back. I hear. I am. And, you know, I've been talking to, <laughs> I've been talking to some, some of my friends there about doing this kind of like trio thing with two of my songwriter friends. So we, <clears throat> we're going to try to get together this summer, but summer's getting too busy. So I think that I will at least be back if not to perform, to, to start working on some fun things with some friends of mine. So very exciting. Well, thank you so much, Lizzie, for doing this. This has been awesome to catch up with you. Um, and I, like I said, I love the record and, and I appreciate you, you spending time today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And I'm, yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying the record and thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I, I do have, have a good summer. You too. I have one more quick question. You answered this before and I want to see if maybe you'll give a similar answer. If not, maybe something totally different. Maybe, uh, if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh, God. Well, you know, I was asked by someone the other day and they were like, do I call record labels and stuff? And I'm like, I don't think that you can. Like, how do you even get access to a record label? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you have to get a million views on TikTok to get. People. Right. So that's when I'm like, I don't really know how to give advice in terms of like how to make it in this day and age, because it's mm-hmm. such a different landscape than when I was young. It's like we moved to L.A. and try to get a deal and you know, social media plays such a big role now in deciding things. Oh yeah, it's um, crazy. So in terms of that, I don't really quite know how things work now. Uh, but in terms of like, just having a voice and a vision, I think that's the thing is you, I mean, I don't know if I should give anyone advice because I mean, I do okay, but I'm not doing that great. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know about that. <laughs> I, think, I think like I would just say it's like you know be express yourself because you have a voice and you have something to say and you have a point of view and you have like passion and authenticity and you know I think that if people want to be famous or they want to be rich or they want to you know do it for the wrong reasons they still might get it but I I just I would think like you know. Have a point of view, have passion. <laughs>